0: If you want to be turning to Ephesians uh, chapter three, and um, we're going to be looking at God the Father, and in the Ephesians chapter three and verse fourteen, Paul says, "For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name." I'd like to ask you a question. Um, I know how I would respond if someone asked me this question: How many of you feel actually I've got great faith? Eight. Great faith. We've got one. We're, 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 we're a group of called believers, <laughs> and we've got one one person who's brave enough to say I've got great faith. How, we say actually no, I don't feel I've got great faith. But can I say that every one of you exercises great faith yeah. every single day? how many of you are, 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 are a bit of a worrier and an, ever get anxious? Well done, you've got great faith. Because worry is thinking about the future in the most <coughs> negative possible way and freaking out about it. <laughs> that's, that's anxiety and worry. It's, it's the imagination thinking about the future and and nothing's happened and there's no necessary evidence yet that it's going to happen it's just thinking about the future and getting really really fearful about it that's faith it's being sure of what you don't want (laughs) and certain of what you dread to take a, a translation of Hebrews 11 for the faith of worry so my proposition actually we're all very very people of great faith and actually we engage with faith all the time. By faith we trust our emotions. <laughs> Don't we, we, we trust our emotions. By faith we trust ourselves. We, we place a lot of faith in people. Every time we get in the car. We are exercising great faith. I'm sure that the brakes will work. I've got certainty that the gears will get... I'm, got great faith. And some of you, maybe the car you drive, you think, I've got extraordinary faith (laughs) to get in that car and drive. We have great faith, actually, in education system. I mean, you got kids and you drop them off at school and you trust, you trust the pastoral care of the school, you trust the professionalism of the school, you trust the teachers in the school. When you go to the doctor, you exercise extraordinary faith in a man or a woman who's going to write maybe a prescription or often or you've think in the UK you never get a prescription <laughs> <Maybe I can't. laughs> um, but you, you expect them to know what they're doing and they've, got, they've been educated and trained to be able to diagnose and diagnose accurately we place faith in the medicine that we, they give us we place faith in in reality we do place faith in our government that they're going to manage our, our, our nation well we, we place faith in different institutions and people all the time. And every one of the things I've just mentioned, at one point or another, has failed or let us down. All of them. You know, sometimes we let ourselves down, sometimes our emotions aren't exactly as accurate as they are, sometimes we put faith in a person and the person's let us down. We hear stories, maybe doctors letting us down, there's always stories of maybe teachers or whatever, maybe different people who maybe don't um, do all that they said they were going to do. And yet, we struggle to trust the Father who has never lied and never failed. It's really interesting. We, we walk through life with all these aspects of faith and at the core of our being, we struggle to trust the only being in the whole universe who is completely and utterly good, completely, utterly faithful, omniscient and knows everything about everything in an instant has kind and wonderful thoughts towards us Psalm 139 in the Passion Translation it says how wonderful are your thoughts towards me, they outnumber every grain of sand on every beach, and that's how he's thinking towards us all the time and yet we struggle to trust him, we struggle to believe him I would say and I think the the, the scripture would say the greatest issue in the whole of humanity is the the need to come to the Father and trust him. That the Father is the great solution to all things. Jesus says I've come to show you the Father. Now my Father is your Father. The disciples said teach us how to pray and Jesus says this is is how I pray our Father in heaven, your will be done it be on earth as it is in heaven. And Paul says in these verses, I kneel before the Father. We have a huge need of, of the Father. We have a huge need of a revelation of the Father. And I think one of the issues is we live in the reality that even the, even the best dads there are are not as good as the Father. And yet, we need a proper revelation that actually all fatherhood is but a shadow of the father. Our greatest need is to come back and know the father. It's interesting. There was an article I came across this week through someone else. Was it was in Spain, and a dad had lost connection with his son. Something had happened, and he went looking for his son, Jose. For months and months and months and months. And he, and he, he was everywhere looking to try and trace his son again. And so out of desperation he put in a, an article in the newspaper, a, um, an advert in the newspaper. It said, to Jose, all is forgiven, you're welcome home. And meet me at the station. And he went to the station and there were 800 Jose uh, there, all hoping that dad had said, all is well, you can come home, everything's forgiven. And I think that's what the Father has said through Jesus, I've so loved the world, and what he's pretty much done is put an advert in the cosmos, in the universe, and says, Father says, you can come home, I've made a way, all is now able to be forgiven, wow. you can come and be adopted, you're welcome home. And we're all like, Jose, and we all need to hear that. We all need to come back to a a really good father and and know that he's going to look after me. Because the movement from anxiety and the fear of lack and just surviving to supernatural strength that floods your innermost being, divine might, explosive power, joy, contentment, peace, rest, all begins in coming to the perfect father and saying, I trust you. I'm looking to you. Trust is flavoured by something beautiful called rest. They reckon that the greatest reason that people miss work in our nation is through anxiety and stress. There's an epidemic of sickness that at its root is... I'm worried, I'm anxious, I'm fearful, I'm troubled. What do people think of me? Am I doing well enough? Will I keep my job? Won't I keep my job? Will I get the promotion? Won't I get the promotion? Imaginations that go crazy and imagining the absolutely worst possible outcomes and freaking out about it. And yet God says, I'm a perfect father, the father, and you come home to me, and one of the things that will flavor your life is peace and rest and joy, and contentment, and hope, and love—that's what he's offering. That's what he's offering. And so it's interesting that when we we ask at the beginning who's got great faith, we sometimes think oh, that's boasting. I, I won't boast because great faith means I'm something. I'm, I'm amazing. <laughs> I'm something special. I'm more than you. I've got great faith. And I think it's because we think faith or trust is the result of striving, of effort, of working hard. We think that great faith is the result of our own determination and white knuckles and gritted teeth. And so if someone says, have you got great faith? I, mean, I don't want to say I've got great faith because that would be boasting. That would be saying I've worked really, really hard. <laughs> I'm better than someone else. We can think that great faith is working for God and getting our act together. You know, that God says, it's, it's faith that pleases me. And then we think, "Ah, oh, if I haven't got faith, then you're not pleased. So I've got to go off and grit my teeth and work really, really hard now. Can I say that faith is not the result of your effort? It's not the result of your gritted teeth. It's not the result of your white knuckles of saying... I've got to do better, I've got to do better, I've got to believe, I've got to try hard. I've got to have faith, I've got to have faith. He's actually the result of hearing and believing what God says about himself. That's what faith is. It's like you, you get to know somebody and you get to know that they're yes is yes and their no is no and they're, they're wonderfully dependable. You Trust them and put great faith in them. But you don't think you're working up something, do you? It's not that your your determination and your white knuckles and you're really working hard. So I've got great faith in you. Actually, you just got to know them. You got to know that they are who they say they are, and they're dependable and trustworthy. And then you just say. In one sense, you say I trust you, and sometimes that happens. Doesn't it? You, you, you get expressed maybe through I trust you to babysit for my kids. I've got to know you. I trust you. It, it can be in different, a whole variety of other ways. But it's out of relationship. It's out of getting to know them. Paul says in these verses, I kneel before the Father, and in that sense. It's not like other relationships. He is God. So great faith is I've got to know you. I've got a track record with you. I've known him since 1987, 28 years. He's never ever let me down. He's never ever left me or forsaken me. He's never ever not worked something together for good. He's never ever not acted redemptively in everything. And sometimes in the moment, you think, how are you going to work this together for good? How are you going to form Christ in me through that? Two or three years later, you see he was a genius at redeeming it and making good out of it. I've never known him not to be there. And so we get to know him and the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, hearing by the word of God. I get to know him, I get to know his nature and his goodness. But Paul uses this word, he says, I kneel before the Father. And I believe this is where great faith and great trust and great rest is birthed. I kneel. I surrender. I yield. I yield to this revelation of who you are. I don't need to understand everything because the Bible says you are the all-knowing, all-wise God. I, I don't need to be in control of everything because I trust in you who brings up the sun in the morning and the moon at night and feeds even a sparrow and knows them even when they fall. I don't need to understand everything that's going on in my mind and my world because I have one whose thoughts outnumber the grains of sand and you know. I, I don't have to be worried about will I miss your voice because you said you're a good, good shepherd and your sheep know your voice and that if I'm deaf in any area you'll make sure that you speak in a way that I can hear you. I don't have to be afraid of accusations or the things that are stabbed, that say, oh, you're not doing well enough, you could have done better, you could have tried harder, because I know that's not how you speak, and your your voice is perfect love, and it casts out all fear, and you never motivate out of hopelessness, because you're the God of all hope. So we get to know him, and then we yield to him. And I think that picture from grace is an example of how yieldedness works in the gritty reality of everyday life when you're faced with circumstances and things that you cannot do and cannot provide and cannot bring breakthrough over you kneel and you yield before the great father and say I don't get it I don't understand it I can't control it I can't make it happen I'm too limited but you are God and I worship you that actually I'm going to worship you in this very very moment That this moment is going to be flavoured by adoration and worship. The greatest examples I can think of this is like Chris Gore in Bethel. a child suffering from cerebral palsy. He's in India. He sees a young girl healed in a meeting of cerebral palsy. And this little beautiful girl is running at the end of the meeting. And then he goes back to California where his own daughter suffering from cerebral palsy has had a... Terrible operation to try and rectify the curvature in her spine. And she's being hung upside down because the, there's something wrong with the way her blood works. And he's just come from India and he's seen this very condition healed. And now he's faced with his own daughter who's essentially dying. And he says, I was faced with a choice in that moment. Will I become offended with God and angry with God? And, and have a fence with him, or will I kneel before the great Father and will I worship him because I know that he is good? And even though this mystery is shrouded with this moment is shrouded with mystery and things I cannot understand, I lay down my right to understand and instead pick up the opportunity to flavor this moment with love and trust and surrender. And he did, he put a CD player on and he worshipped and he delighted. And he rejoiced in God. And he said actually he doesn't get that many nights. Where he sleeps through the night. And he's woken up often because of her condition. And he always wakes up in the morning. And says today is a good day for a miracle. It's not denial of what's happening. It's like Abraham in Romans 4. He wasn't in denial. My body is as good as dead. And Sarah's womb is barren. And yet against hope in hope I trust that he is able to do what he has promised. Think of Eric, um, Eric Johnson, Bill Johnson's son, who's 80% deaf, one ear completely deaf, I think he's 20% hearing in one ear, and yet has seen, I don't know, maybe 10 people healed of deafness when he's prayed for them and chooses to say to his dad, we're one miracle nearer to my breakthrough. It's not denial, it's the decision to say, God, in this life, I don't understand everything, But I choose to believe that you are good, and I choose to rejoice in you, and I choose to delight in you, and I choose to yield, surrender, and come before you because you're the magnificent Father. That's what our hearts need. And I think to surrender, we just have to see him for who he is, for how the Bible describes him. Oh, what a Father he is, that he so loved you, and so loved me. That when we were dead in our sins and rebellion and brokenness would send Jesus, the perfect Son, the Holy One to come in our place, to die for us, to die as us that through him we might know the resurrection to a new spiritual life, that we might come home to the Father and be able to have a spirit of adoption that cries out, Papa, Abba, that's the kind of Father he is. And we see the intimacy of Jesus with the Father, coming and being with the Father, hearing what the Father's saying, doing what the Father says to do, in this wonderful, wonderful interaction. And we see Jesus in Gethsemane, and we see him with... The cross opening up before him, saying, actually, Father, not my will, but yours be done. By faith he saw the joy set before him. These moments of intimacy with God, these moments of surrender, do come under moments of test and challenge. And in those moments we just have to say, I choose to yield, I choose to kneel, I choose to surrender, I choose to rejoice. The Bible would say the most normal thing in the universe is to trust the Father. It's the most natural thing to do, to let his nature be the basis of our hope and expectations. When we see him, when we see him, fear becomes illogical. When we see him for who he is, anxiety and worry become utter foolishness I'm going to tell you a story about my own life not because uh, because I want to be honest with you about my own journey that I guess is continuing out of fear into faith because I want you to know that it's possible and I want you to have hope for your own hearts and I want you to know that whatever circumstance you're facing you you can find a refuge and rest in the arms of a really good father and it can be something you experience and something that you know it's a wonderful thing about christianity and god he's not just given some propositional truths to believe he's given an experience to enter into that changes everything peace and joy and hope and rest and contentment i don't know where it all started but i remember when i was 11 years old having a routine that some might call OCD, but it involved checking everything. The routine could last anything up to two and a half hours. I'd go to bed at night and suddenly think about a plug that might not be fully off, or something I might have left on. And the terror and the fear and the anxiety of making a mistake that would be a disaster was gripping. It would grip my imagination that I could be the cause of something disastrous, that it could be me. By the time I'm 18, I I would even be laying in bed and I'd have this thought go through my head. You walked over a paving slab and the paving slab is now slightly up. An old lady's going to trip and she's going to break her hip. Gripped by the fear of making a mistake as simple as that, I would get up and cycle to that one place to check I hadn't. I'm a a Christian at this point. I think it intensified in some ways because I've come home through Jesus, but I've got no idea that God the Father is so wonderfully good. I've built a whole world and a whole mechanism and a whole framework around I look after me, I protect me, I, I'm guarding me, I, I check to make, if I've made any mistakes, I look after myself. Yeah, I'm going to worship you God, but it's a huge thing in the world to abandon myself and yield and trust you. And yet, in his loving kindness, he came to me again and again and again with the tenderness of a a good, good father, coming as one who wants to woo and convince, coming into the broken spot and saying, you can trust me, you can trust me, you can trust me. And then over time, bit by bit by bit by bit, it broke off and broke off and broke off and broke off. Do I get tempted in those ways still? Yeah, because I think we establish ways of thinking. They sometimes take time to change. But I'm knowing more rest now and more hope now and more joy now than I've ever known all of my life. And I have to put it down to this. He's showing me that he's trustworthy. He's showing me his nature. He's letting me see his goodness. And my response, even when the mind screams out, you can't be secure unless you do X, Y, and Z, is to come to him and say, you're a good, good father. I yield. I surrender. I give myself to you. See, we have a part to play. He would love me in all of my silliness and foolishness with no less love. I know that because he he loved me in the midst of all of it. But he just loves it when our hearts say, I choose to surrender all. I choose to kneel. See, I tell you a story like that and you think, it doesn't have to be like that way for you. It doesn't have to be years. It doesn't have to be decades. It can be, I believe, in moments. I do believe that one of the things that God is doing amongst us is someone's ceiling can become your platform. You don't have to go through the whole process. You don't have to go through the years. It can happen in a moment of of wonderful surrender, of hearing that he's really good, of being in an environment where we celebrate his love and tenderness and goodness. And you choose to say in that moment, I choose to not be anxious about my job. I choose to believe that you will secure me and provide for me and look after me. I choose not to be anxious for my children because you're a good, good father and you go with them everywhere and you're with them all the time. I choose not to be anxious about me and whether I can do it because I can't do anything. So what's there to be anxious about? I can't change the community and I can get anxious about it if I want to, but actually what I really need to do is abide and let him feed in. Yeah. You can think of it over a ton of things, yeah, you can look at the red bill on the fridge and stare at it and get worried about it for all you like, or you can come and worship and say, God, do you have any wisdom? Do you know what we can do? Just come, and he'll speak and he'll give you ideas. But it comes in the moment of yielded surrender, where you get his perspective and the cares about tomorrow begin to break off. But it comes in, it comes in yieldedness. It comes through repentance. It comes through agreement with God. Yes. It comes through, I choose to agree with you. And when you say those words, sometimes the emotions, they scream and say, no, 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 we've never done this before. I don't like this, this feels scary. It feels much more secure for you to go on your bike and check the paving slab. As crazy as it would be, yeah, that felt the easier option than to say I yield to God and I surrender to God. But it was never the route to peace, it was just temporary. So I just encourage you, whatever you are facing in your own life, whatever's going on, Come to the scriptures and ask him, reveal yourself, Father. And trust what the Bible says about his goodness and nature. Trust what he says about himself. And if you can do nothing, just worship God and adore God and love God. Yeah, God, we... Yeah, we just bring our lives before you. And you really really are a good father and we thank you that you brought us into a place of calling you Abba of a cry of intimacy we thank you that we're co-heirs with Jesus we thank you that we're loved like Jesus is loved we thank you that we're cared for like Jesus was cared for. And we thank you that maybe sometimes we go through the moments. Like when Jesus was on the cross. And they, they sneered at him and said. Oh, are you really one that God is kind towards? Are you really favoured? Are you really loved? And yet Jesus endured the scorn for the joy. And we want to be like that God. When it all doesn't look the way we want it to look. To say this I know. You are for me. Who can be against me? I'm loved. I'm treasured. I'm delighted in. I love you, Father. We want to learn from the likes of Chris Gorgard with his little girl. I've never faced anything like that, God. But I'm inspired by his love and affection and devotion to you, King Jesus. We just in this holy moment want to say we I surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all. I kneel. I yield. I trust in your goodness, Father. Even bring it to him, those things. I bring it and I yield it to you. Thank you, Jesus. Some of us just need to stop thinking so much, Mm -hmm. Jamie. You too. (laughs) There's trust. God's just saying to somebody here you don't need to have a plan B if this doesn't work (laughs) I'm just trusting you I'm all in Jesus I don't need a plan B I don't need to have sussed it all out but I do need to trust you